0: Hello and welcome to Blackwells Presents. My name is Sean Kane. I'm a books journalist at The Guardian and a former bookseller of this parish, the wonderful and labyrinthine Blackwells bookshop in Oxford. Independent Bookshop Week is part of the Books Are My Bag campaign run by the Booksellers Association and seeks to celebrate independent bookshops in the UK and Ireland, particularly the booksellers who make bookshops what they are. All this week, we're sharing the stories of some of the booksellers at Blackwells in Oxford. And today, sitting in the old Gaffis office, I'm with Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Hi. Hi. So you work down on the customer service desk in the Norrington Room. I do. So for people that haven't been to Blackwells and Oxford, Norrington Room is this sort of amazing location. Can you sort of set the scene for people that haven't been?
1: So the Norrington Room, at least at one point, was the largest room selling books in the world.
0: Mm. Have, um, have we been toppled?
1: We're not sure. Oh. We, th- we, think, we think it is still. Um, there might be like a warehouse that's slightly... Bigger, um, but we like the claim, so yeah. we, we keep it. Um, Surely warehouses don't count. They don't sell books, exactly. So like it's, not, it's not the same. Still the biggest. Still the biggest. <laughs> um, so basically, it's an underground cave of books, and I think it's something like 180,000 individual books
0: within the room, and I source mm-hmm. it. In the heart of it. Because mm, they have this sort of amazing sort of tier system yeah. going down into yeah. the middle of the room. So you're right in the heart right of it. Right in the heart, yeah. <laughs> and so, how did you come to be a bookseller? How did you come to be at Blackwells? So, I moved to
1: Oxford to do my master's in publishing. Mm. And through that course, we got notified of the Oxford Literary Festival, for which Blackwells is the festival bookseller. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer for that. And I got a job out of it. Hey! Um, one of the managers. Um, said we, we like you, we like what you do. Um, so then, a couple of months after I started, and I've been here ever since. And so, when was that? That was in April
0: 2018. Oh, fantastic! So, yeah. relatively, you've been here for about a year then. I've been here a year. Oh, yeah. fantastic! Yeah. And so, how do you find it then? I love it. Yeah. I
1: love I love my job. Yeah. And I, it pleases me that I can say it with honesty. <laughs> <laughs> and when people ask me, um, you know, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a bookseller. Yeah. I love it. I I really. I really enjoy it and i wouldn't change it
0: so do you think then maybe book selling has lured you away from the world of publishing yes yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um people who studied my course find it a bit weird that i've kind of stayed because i think in publishing book selling can kind of be sold to you as a stepping stone mm-hmm. to a, a publishing career and it's kind of seen as something that you'll do temporarily mm before you move on to bigger and better things but actually working in Blackwells um it's shown me that book selling is a career in itself and we're part of the publishing industry rather than like this little hub next to it we're actually involved very seriously in in the chain and if we didn't have bookshops we wouldn't have much of a publishing industry either Mm. um so I'm I'm sticking to my guns That it's, you know.
0: This is the job for you. Yeah. And so, why do you think it is the job for you? What is it about it that you love so much? I
1: love being in an environment where the people that I interact with have the same passion about books that I do. So, all of my colleagues, whether, you know, despite their interests being different to mine, they are as passionate about books as I am. And customers are too. You know, customers coming to Blackwell's and into the Norrington Room, especially, um, can be a bit overwhelmed by what's going on but ultimately they love being there because they're they're surrounded they've never seen so many books and how wonderful it is to be surrounded by by books that you you that don't really have a space anywhere else Mm. you can't have the norrington room at home so i love coming to work because it's like i have all these books around me that i can just sort of dip into every so often Mm. um and yeah getting to talk about books that i'm passionate about and getting them into the the right hands at the right time you know when i'm passionate about a book and i get the opportunity to talk about it as much as possible and i then see people go on to buy it it just gives me the most heartwarming feeling because feeling, i feel like i am doing something purposeful and you know when i'm talking about a book that passionately i really believe it should be read by everyone so then seeing that little success every day is just it's just a great feeling and mm. i i love it so
0: much I, that's why I keep coming to work <laughs> <laughs> and so you're sort of based on this big desk that's down in the Norrington room yeah. there and the Norrington room is is basically entirely non-fiction it is yeah so you'd be getting a fantastic education across all the different yes. different fields yeah have you had a particular film that has been like of a surprising interest to you like did you discover so a latent sort of love for philosophy for example so
1: nearly I, uh, nearly <laughs> I, I've always loved gender studies and feminism and I've always been interested in in those kind of books and I have continued to read stuff in that area since working here but actually the Norrington Room um, has introduced me to so many other different areas and one thing that's coming out of it is kind of like political philosophy I guess or and sort of the crossover with society and culture Um, and so like Utopia for Realists Mm. is something that I would never have read before coming to the room but it's got this amazing orange cover that you can't not see and I thought yeah I'll I'll pick that up and then from that I've ended up reading other books that I just wouldn't have I wouldn't have considered if I worked anywhere else in the shop um but that's a feeling that you get when you work in Blackwells anyway like even when I'm walking up to say the second floor where History and Classics is I look at some books and I'm like yeah maybe I will give you a go because they're just enticing Mm. you know I, I I like the I I like being in an area where it 's not just my own reading habits that are presented it 's so much more than I could ever read in my in my life but I have this variety i have access to this variety and i and I love that um so i'm currently in my Sort of politics phase of the Norrington Room. Excellent. Um, I imagine I'm, I'm quite enticed by the natural history side of things. So you might sort of drift I might over just there. sort of work my way round. Yeah, slowly and then
0: <laughs> sort of like clockwise. <laughs> yeah, just tick them off <laughs> as I go. Excellent. <laughs> and so you mentioned Utopia for Realists uh, yeah. by Rutka Bregman. Um, if if people come down to the Norrington Room uh, during Independent Bookshop Week yeah. and say, you know, load me up with five books, Zoe, what would you what would you give oh. them up? easy yeah so my
1: first book and i'm so glad you're giving me the opportunity to speak about this because it is the <laughs> best book i've read in recent years is invisible women by caroline criado perez yes this is a book that i think i feel most passionately about in the shop and i'm kind of getting a bit of a reputation for talking about it so <laughs> i think i'm sort of banging the drum very regularly and it's getting irritating for people um but it's essentially a book about how the world is designed based on data that only really reflects men Mm-hmm. and it's not just physical design sort of like phones being too big, shelves being too tall it's medicine not being tested on women mm-hmm. um, and actually it's been really heartwarming in recent weeks because a politician has actually brought it up in parliament um, and has asked um, I think you know, some, some other politician in charge of some other department um, what she's going to do about the fact that um, cars don't test on female test dummies resulting in 17% uh, women being 17% more likely to die in a car crash. Mm. Um, I just think it's a book that everyone needs to be reading. Women, because it will reflect their experiences. Men, so that they see, you know, why we need equality and how it is actually you know killing women in some instances to not be equal yeah um so that's my first the one i m- feel most passionate about
0: and, and at, actually in the week that we're speaking it's just uh, caroline created Perez has just headed up a crowds funding campaign and it's going to be given to mps yeah um in parliament which yep. is fantastic
1: I'm very over the moon about it she, <laughs> I, she came here and she spoke and it was just one of those moments where you see an author that you 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 think you're like because you're reading their work and you're enjoying it, and then you see them in person, you hear them talk, and you're like, "Yeah, you're one of my people. (laughs) Like, I will, I will back you for the rest of time, and I will read anything that you put out in the world."
0: (laughs) And Um, so, who are the others on your list?
1: So, the second one is "Don't Sleep, There Are Snakes" by Daniel Everett. Um, It is kind of a memoir about um, Daniel as he goes on a mission to the heart of the Amazon um he gets funded to to go as a missionary and translate the bible into this language called Pederhan um that no one's ever come across before so he he moves his wife and his two very young children to this tribe um, and it's a book mainly about his experience learning the language um, and the effects of learning this language which is so entirely different to english um, and it, details how he actually comes to change his beliefs hmm. um he's now a linguist at MIT um but he introduced me to this idea of how language can affect the way you think and the way you see the world and it was because of that book that I then went on to study linguistics at university at my undergrad um and so it's been like a book that I can definitely say changed my life yeah. Because I wouldn't have picked up on that subject area at all and I just found it amazing because he's so he comes with his own preconceptions about what life's going to be like. And of course I can change people's mind. Of course I can get them to believe in God, but they make him ask questions um, that challenges his belief. Um, And, you know, he also makes a home in within this Amazonian tribe,
0: which I just, it's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It's a good book. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what are the others?
1: Um, So the third one is girls will be girls by Emma O'Toole. Um, another feminist book about how um, gender is something that you can pick up and try on and act and, and perform differently. It's not something that you're constrained to. So it's basically like Judith Butler, but not as boring and inaccessible. <laughs> That's, That's a good sell. If you want to read Judith Butler, don't read Emerald <laughs> Don't put yourself through. I've done that. I've been there. Don't do it. It is quite hard to read um, Oh, um, Mythologies by Roland Barthes. Um is a recent addition to my recommend shelf and I'm still I keep coming back to it and finding new things in it I read it originally for my dissertation for my master's and it's basically about how things in the world being imbued with mythological aspects so like the myth of wine um, makes it when you drink wine you feel like you're classy (laughs) And <laughs> nice. it's this myth of wine that makes you believe you're kind of this middle class, <laughs> bougie woman on her on her chaise longue. Um, they don't know what wine I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wrong, wrong kind. Obviously, um, I always think it's like a really like strong red glass of Merlot. Something yes. really full body. Yeah. anyway, something um, fancy. That's a that's a very simple example. But he looks at different. It's a collection of essays. Looking at the world and looking at how. Um, all of these myths are basically um his argument is that they're put forward by the capitalist society as ways of selling you things mm. and he looks at sort of random things like dishwash dishwasher soap and astrology as a whole concept um <laughs> and at, at the beginning of my dissertation i hadn't any idea why my supervisor had off had said you need to start with this because i read it and i just thought that's got nothing to do with what i'm writing about and then slowly as the months went on it started to click and make sense and it was just one of those moments of like enlightenment Mm. um and i think there's a lot to be got from from the collection and we've on to the final one on the fifth so bad blood by john carrie is a non-fiction which i describe as a thriller Hmm. Um, So I think it's a really good gateway book for people coming from fiction and thinking nonfiction is quite scary and intimidating um, because it basically talks about the Theranos scandal in in the US um, which was um, a business set up by Elizabeth Holmes um, looking at blood testing and essentially was all a lie and it's written by the journalist who eventually exposed her and so it goes through the story of Theranos and how it started, what she was like Um, how they got to be so huge in Silicon Valley. So it looks at the issues of Silicon Valley as well and how something so false was allowed to progress so far Mm. Um, and looks at the downfall. And it's one of the most gripping non-fiction reads I think I've read Mm. because you just can't believe something like that happens. And that's my gateway book that I'm using to get into business. Fantastic. That's sort of a very nice,
0: (laughs) easy but enlightening read as well and so that's what you would sort of usually advise to people that to maybe go for something that we'd cast like as narrative nonfiction yeah. before maybe getting into yeah, those I harder think, bigger books I think
1: nonfiction kind of gets a bad rap
0: mm.
1: um, for being dense and boring and you know only full of facts and you know I don't have room in my head for everything but actually there's an incredible amount of books out there which are beautifully written. You know, Bad Blood is, is, is more of an expose, so it's quite sort of literal in, it, in its in its telling. But some of the non that I've read since being in the Norrington Room has shown me that, you know, f- fiction isn't the only domain for beautiful language. Mm. You know, you can have beautifully written non-fiction. Like, I'm thinking of When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. There are books that do push the boundary of non towards fiction, and I think that's where you'll find a good way of getting into more like heavy and fiction in quote unquote, um, to not, yeah, to not think nonfiction is this bad, ugly beast that only
0: scholars and academics can read. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, in terms of your experience, you know, you clearly love these books so much and you're recommending them to people. Are there any, do you have any favorite customers? Do you, do you have any memories of interactions with customers that really stand out?
1: There is one guy who is an ornithologist. Oh, great. And I, I don't have much interest in birds at all. I, it's one area that I just don't see myself getting into. My parents, my parents love it, but not for me. However, this gentleman is just so happy, and he loves he loves birds so much. When he comes in, you can't help but smile, <laughs> and you can't help but say hello to him, and 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 instantly be cheered up because he loves birds as much as I love books, and seeing people passionate about the things that they they spend a lot of time and money on is something that I really find I I really enjoy it just seeing the love in people's eyes when and when they're talking about these books and he he constantly tries to convince me about these ornithological (laughs) classics that I should read and I kind of sort of nod along as if I might try it and I, I I know that I might not but there is kind of a little bit of you that goes Maybe you should. Yeah. You know, he loves it so much. Maybe... Maybe you should see what all the fuss is about.
0: <laughs> when you get to sort of uh, that section round, of the shop. Yeah, I've, I've, when I've got
1: round you know, philosophy and religion, yeah. I'll um, make my way. Tiny subjects. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Zoe. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for listening to this special episode of Blackwell's Presents. If you'd like to get in touch, do head to Twitter and contact us on at BlackwellOxford and at BooksInMyBag. From me, Sean Kane, happy reading.